Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome to the Doc G Show. I'm your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the one, the only, Mikey Maximus the Furnicus. I was too lazy to come up with rhyming words, so just plod for Mike, you turds. Huh? Charette. <laughs> What's up? What up? What up? Yes. What's yes. Up, I was lazy. <laughs> I was, you know, <laughs> I try. I, I was gonna think of some, and I was like, ah, hmm. I was okay. like, I was like Hawaii. He's he's playing on. He's going to Hawaii. I could do something with that. I was like, yeah. We talked. It's a hard word to rhyme with. Yeah. And then I was like Hawaii, happy. I don't know. It's, uh, well, I'll leave it to Drake. You know what? I'm just gonna leave go. it to Drake. <laughs> Mike, how was your uh, Thanksgiving? Magical. Uh, yeah, very magical. Lots of drugs, Wait, lots what? of uh, drinking and eating and awkward conversations. Yeah. How about you, Doc G? The best <laughs> awkward conversation. One of the reasons that I hate weddings the most, awkward conversations. That's, yeah. Listeners are, are well, you know what? Mm. I just, I'm, I'm writing this down as a note. I just realized <laughs> you've, you've been on the show for four months and I haven't done any segments about ha hating weddings since you've been on. Girl, I mean, on. we yeah. had one that was sort of like, I, I, I referenced it, but we need to have just a straight up. I got a segment uh, I call Why Weddings Suck. <laughs> so true. We need to fire that one back up. Um, yeah. Let's do a whole show. <laughs> you know, I mean, we might lose a couple people, but I feel like there's a lot of people that would be on board with that show. It's just yeah, for the sure. awkward conversations, man. It's that. Yeah. Like you get there and there's just literally, even like when it's one of your best friends, <laughs> like 70% of the people you don't know. And you're just like, yeah. Ew. Who are you? And then they have to be, how do you know the groom? How do you know the bride? And you're like, I don't yeah. know the bride. I only know the groom, and I don't want to be here because I don't give a mm -hmm. about the bride. But, like, you know, <laughs> you can't say that. So you're just like, oh, yeah. I've been friends with this guy for, like, five years. Anyways, I hope you're doing good. <laughs> like, it just, oh, horrible. Yeah. And yeah. then you have one of those. Then you have one of those moments where you like look away awkwardly because you don't know like what the next topic or what oh, the follow-up yeah. should be. You just you gotta you gotta stare down at your drink <laughs> cup or something, and you're just like watch uh, the blam. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hopefully, the band plays something that you know that you can be like, oh, oh hey, oh, it was a Fleetwood Mac. Who would have thought? It's crazy. They brought yeah, that right. out. <laughs> like just horrible. It's horrible. I don't like it at all. It's yeah, forced. It's not good forced awkward moments but back to the magical thanksgiving i had one too yeah oh and speaking of you know not awkward i hung out with my family and we're mm. just weird that's a fact we're not awkward we're just a weird bunch my family my go. parents me we're all odd yes! you know it i mean <laughs> and i mean we're all odd in our own way like every family is like it's one of those things that, like, if you go into somebody else's world, into their family world, there's just all kinds of eccentricities and weirdness that mm. you're like, I wasn't ready for that. And, you know, it's like they ha everybody <laughs> has their traditions of weird things they do at their house and, like, weird, like, oh, yeah, every time we go out to eat, we do this. And you're like, what? Really? 
Why? And they're like, oh, you was... wash all your silverware? <laughs> yeah, well, just, I mean, you know, just weird things. And, um, you know, uh, we, we, we did something. I mean, it wasn't weird. But it, it's just sort of, uh, I was, we were talking about before we came on the air, Mike, uh, my family, they don't use phones. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a very phone-centric uh, world we live in. And my parents, my brother, are not connected to their phone. They, you could take, they are one of the few people in the world you could take their phone away for the, from them for a day, and they wouldn't really notice. They wouldn't Mm-mm. care. And sometimes they do it to themselves. And all of a sudden they'll be out somewhere and they'll just be like, oh, you know what? Don't have my phone. Don't know where that <laughs> went. Oh, well. And they just keep on going, which doesn't happen. So, yeah. but along with that weirdness of phone activity, we also like to talk about weird things a lot. Random mm. musing, sort of like the show, except more boring. Gee, um, <laughs> if that's possible, and it, it you know, it, it reminded me. We, we like, for instance, uh, my, we'd be driving down the road to get dinner, and my dad, uh, you know, turn on the radio, and Susie Q by Creedence Clearwater Revival would come on. My dad would be like, yeah. "That was a cover song, right?" And I'd be like, "I think." You know what? I'm going to look it up. And I, I, I'd look it up. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's originally uh, Dahl, uh, Dale Daw- Dawkins, 1957. You know? Or like we were watching the South Carolina football game. And they showed the Gamecock. And he was strutting his mm-hmm. stuff. And my dad was like, something about him tells me he's not castrated. And he was <laughs> like, there's a name for a castrated rooster. Can't remember what it is. So I looked it up. Hmm. It's Capen. That's the name. Capen. <laughs> right? Okay. And I started thinking about that, and I was like, you know what? It's sort of like a segment we used to do on the show. Not Why Weddings Suck, which is definitely coming next week, Mike. It's going to be great. Okay. Um, cool. But it started making me think of another segment we used to have, which is called Interesting Fact or Who the hmm. Cares. It's uh, Okay. Now, I, I think you probably already get the gist of the uh, of the <laughs> Kinda, segment. Yeah. Uh, and when I was preparing for the segment, Mike, I realized the way we traditionally do it actually doesn't really make sense. Nope. Uh, what normally used to happen in the segment, Mike, is I would try to reel you in with an interesting teaser about a useless fact. You would hmm. listen to my teaser and then tell me, yeah, I want to know about that interesting fact, or who cares? But I realized it would just make more sense if I just told you the useless fact and you decide, you know what, that's interesting or, nah, I don't really care, you know? Okay. Uh, I mean, I feel like that makes more sense, right? Yeah, I think so. And that way I get to tell more facts because otherwise you'd hear my teaser and just be like, nah, I don't care. Nah, that one, no, don't care Uh, about that one either. You know, this way I force you to listen to every single fact. It's not. <laughs> okay. Nice. Okay, Mike, you're ready? You ready for some facts? Yeah. Okay, here we hey, go. Real quick, can I pause you real quick? This pause has been me. on my mind. What is eccentricity? What the word of the day? Uh, I don't have a Google on me. What, uh, what's that word mean? Eccentricity. eccentricity. Uh, it, it means uh, uh, out there, you know, outliers. Okay. So okay. things that you do that are outside of the normal. And an eccentric. Uh, like eccentric. Okay. Yes. Okay. Got yeah. It. Mm-hmm. Got it. It's the okay. it's the actual tangible things uh, that are eccentric. Yes. Okay. Eccentricities. Cool. Got it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
There you go. Word of the day, Sorry. listeners. <laughs> Word of the day. Um, okay, here's an interesting one, I think. We'll see if you do. A bald eagle can see what a human can at eight times the distance. Jeez. Hmm. So you could stick a newspaper 80 feet away from a bald eagle, and they'd be able to read it if they could read. Wow. Yeah. That's and, interesting. And their eyesight is so good, they even see ultraviolet light, too. Like, mm. can you imagine what's going on in their eyes? There's just all kinds of crazy waves shooting out. I mean, what does the ultraviolet light even look like? I don't even know. Yeah. I have no idea. It's wild. What? <laughs> interesting fact? Yeah. Yes. Very interesting. Yes. Yeah. Okay, here comes another this one. This one's uh, this one's pretty interesting too. Neil Armstrong, you know Neil? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. yeah. The first man on the moon, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but he wasn't the first for everything on the moon, actually. Uh, oh. Buzz Aldrin, other fella on there, the second guy, uh, he was the first to ever use the bathroom on the moon. He peed on the moon. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Like, I, I, I was thinking about that, and I was like, yeah, I really feel like I, I would have had to okay that with Houston. Like, I definitely would have <laughs> checked, like, 15 times before I did it. Like, okay, you're sure my <laughs> not going to explode? Like, positively. <laughs> like, a thousand percent, I open my suit. It's not just going to look like a, a blow-up balloon and just explode. No? Okay. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It seems like a big risk, but he yeah, went for it. it. Mm-hmm. Which, I, I, guess, I guess they okayed that, like, before they even went up there. Because, I mean, it's one of those sort of essential things, you know? Like, mm-hmm. what are we going to yeah. do in this case? Like, I feel like, you know... They probably would have just made it easier on the engineers if they just peed in their suit. Like, oh, you got to go? Just go for it. Sorry. It's going to get messy in there. Like, I just feel like that probably... isn't that what they did? Isn't that what what he had to do? I mean, obviously... I don't know. I I mean, you know what? Okay, I'm going to follow up. Follow up on that interesting (laughs) fact. I got to get the (laughs) physics of this pee job here. We're going to find out. Um, Next... Oh, first interesting fact. Hmm... Oh, yeah. Very okay. interesting. Okay. So. You had to deliberate for a while. Yes. Fascinating. Uh, yes. Yes. I yes. am intrigued. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, next interesting fact. The queen, queen of England, has really, really big diamonds. Word. Really mm. big diamonds. The Colian diamond is the biggest rough diamond ever found in the world. Found it back at the start of the 1900s. It was almost a pound and a half diamond. Pound and a half. Diamond. Yeah. Yeah. Over 3,000 carats. And they they found it in 1905. And then it was given to the King of England as a present. Because, you know, back in the day, that's, that's what you did with that royal monarchy. You were just like, here you go. This is worth millions of dollars. That's a fact. Um, (laughs) It was split into nine smaller diamonds, and the largest was put on the Sovereign Scepter with Cross, which is the largest clear-cut diamond in the world. It's a 530-carat diamond. You know what? Wow. Hmm. On on a scepter. So, like, on this, like, you know, staff 
that the queen she in like ceremonies she holds this oh, okay. amazing scepter and just like it she looks people with it when she yeah it looks fake man it look like i mean it looks like almost like the size of like a like literally like a tennis ball just setting up there at the top this diamond it's insane jeez it's uh. yeah yeah hmm interesting fact Biggest diamond. Not really, no. Oh, not okay. interested. Uh, <laughs> I'm no, no, you said it. Mike. I mean, they're I all interesting. Yeah. No, I got to take it away. It wasn't interesting enough. Yeah. It didn't. I could tell you weren't interested as it Buzz Aldrin peeing. Clear you rocks. Slam. You weren't. You weren't that interested. Okay, here's the next peeing one. Peeing in space, awesome. Exactly. Anyway. <laughs> exactly. Uh, next one. I think uh, it's pretty simple, but I think it's pretty interesting. Uh, on average, Americans eat. 350 slices of pizza per second every day. Mm. Wow. Jeez. Yeah. Okay. Over the over the country, 350 slices per second. Oh, come on. Me just telling you that fact. Thousands of pizza slices were eaten. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. It's wild. That's pretty kind of wild. early. These are all <laughs> leftover dominoes from the night before. You know what? That, by the way, that's a, a it might be a controversial fact, but I think that's the best <laughs> delivering pizza as far as morning pizza, Domino's. It works the best mm -hmm. as cold breakfast pizza. That's just my. Oh, okay. I think because it has a little sweet. Yeah, little I, sweet I, I don't know. I, sauce. So, something <laughs> works better than like Papa John's or, or Pizza Hut. It just, the, the, yeah. I don't know. That's I'm a just, fact. No, hmm. Just throw that out there, listeners. Don't extra preserve. Don't burn my house down for saying that. That's just uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, okay, Mike. Uh, well, interesting fact about that the was pizza. interesting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Very good. interesting. Nice. Um. Okay. Here we go. So I'm guessing in old photos, uh, you've noticed, like in the 1800s photos, everybody looks unhappy. Yes! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Apparently, yeah. that was on purpose, Mike. I mean, that was, oh. you know, that was, they meant to do that. Hmm. Apparently, smiles hmm. were thought as childish, devilish, and just plain unnecessary. Word. As, uh, as one what? historian put it, grins were characteristics for peasants, drunkards, children, and halfwits. Jeez. So, so you had hmm. to look solemn when you were getting your picture taken because you're a serious adult, and that's what they did. They were so serious about this that photographers would literally, instead of having people say cheese, they would have people say prune. Wait, what? So that their mouth and their lips would be pursed. So it look like they were you know serious that's hmm. yeah which like I, I just i i don't know who started the trend i saw some years of how smiling has increased in pictures over the last hundred yeah. years but like it, it just crazy that that was meant to be prune Prune. Huh? Maybe they change it to preen and then people start smiling. They like just gradually. Hmm. <laughs> Maybe they start thinking so of pruny and they're just like pruny. No, pr like, pruny. You know, like, I don't know. It's But apparently it's it stopped. It stopped being a thing. Stopped being a thing. Yeah. Okay. Interesting point or, or who cares? Yeah, no, it's very interesting. Okay, I never good. knew why people. Nice. Looked. Nice. 
last they one hated their lives i think oh. exactly it's good to know they actually were having a good time they just couldn't show it in pictures um the last one here we go uh apparently back in the day people would use corn cobs to wipe their butts after using the bathroom ew hmm yeah interesting now Mike, don't don't ask me how they positioned the corn cob to clean. <laughs> Wait, what? Uh, apparently, <laughs> was it? <laughs> there were different ways to do it. Apparently, I got in some deep articles about this, and I mean deep in a, multiple ways. And I was like, "What? Jeez, this is Whoa. this sounds this sounds too much." Um, but hmm. not only that, Mike, but apparently back when the the pandemic first hit, I missed this because. Uh, I don't use Twitter, and uh, I wouldn't follow this fella if I did. Nope. But apparently, in 2020, Mike Huckabee of Arkansas actually suggested this again when there was a toilet paper shortage. Word. He, uh, wow. He tweeted, quote, Those of us from the rural south know how to handle toilet paper shortage. Eat more corn on the cob. The corn isn't important, but the cobs are free and work great. You're welcome. Huh? Ooh. Yeah. Weird. Weird. <laughs> but you can't not picture or imagine it. <laughs> I, exactly. As soon as you say it, it's like, ugh, what? Uh, ugh. You eat the corn first, and then you use the cob. Then you, yeah. You wash the cob. Yeah. No, you don't. You, it, no, it's you not. You can't flush it. It's not. It's it, Well, I don't know. I'm guessing most people don't reuse it, but I saw multiple ones that said it wasn't reusable. It was just like. Not reusable. Uh, just throw it. You know, you just trash it. Trash it. Yeah. And, anyways, Mike, now that you are chocked full of interesting facts to throw on people at your next fancy dinner party. You mm -hmm. obviously attend. Uh, are you ready to fire up the show? Let's do it. I'm ready. Five. All three engines up and burning. Two, one, zero, and liftoff. Mike, we have <laughs> a fantastic show. We have the terrific artist K.C. Jones on the show today out of Lafayette, Louisiana. Uh, super nice. talented. She, she just... She she's a fiddle player. She's a guitar player. She's a dancer. She's she's uh you know uh, she she majored in dance in college. She she she's she does it all. She's a hundred percent entertainer here. So true. Um, and on top of that, every time I hear her name, I think of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh yeah. So you know, I, I'm not sure if that's why she chose Casey Jones, but that's what I think of. <laughs> I just I think of the first Ninja Turtles and a long-haired dude with a hockey mask, and I'm like, yeah, mm -hmm. nice, so true. Nice. Anyways, we are gonna talk to her. Can't wait. She's got a, a new album she released, uh, The Queen of In Between. Can't wait to talk to her about that. Everything else, but first we need to start where we start. Birthday suit. Happy birthday, Mr. President. Yes. Yes, Mike, <laughs> this is the first time I knowingly have used a birthday suit wearer from a previous show. Wait, what? Okay. Th that's how long we have been in biz. So true. We have been in yeah. biz long enough to have to recycle one here. Uh, hmm. Back on the 10th episode of the show, 
we celebrated this birthday suit wear. That's a fact. You know? But he's he's just so effing good, I was like, we got to do it again. We got to do it again. Back in 2016, we celebrated him, and we're going to do it once again. So here we go. Uh, born on December 1st, 1940 in Peoria, Illinois. Shout out to the regular Doc G listening city Peoria mm-hmm. right there. Shout uh, out. Our birthday suit wearer literally grew up in a brothel run by his grandma, and his mother worked at the brothel. His dad was a hustler. His dad was a pimp, obviously. That being said, our birthday suit wearer had a tough childhood. He joined the Army when he was 18, spent most of the time in the Army in Army prison due to a racial fight. In 1963, he moved to New York and started doing stand-up. He performed with Woody Allen, performed with Bob Dylan, performed with Nina Simone. Uh, His biggest inspiration to start was Bill Cosby, but he had an epiphany in 1967 that he should have controversial and profane material in his stand-up. He moved to Berkeley, California, became a fixture of the counterculture, started appearing in films in 1970 like Uptown Saturday Night, Silver Streak, Car Wash, Which Way Is Up, Grease Lightning, Blue Collar, and more. His third stand-up album won the 1975 Grammy for Best Comedic Album. His fourth album won the Grammy for Best uh, Comedy Recording. So true. In 1975, our birthday suit wear hosted Saturday Night Live. His word association skit with Chevy Chase is still one of the most influential skits the show has ever done. He released his album Live on the Sunset Strip in 1982. Uh, sadly, in the uh, late 1980s, our birthday suit wearer was diagnosed with MS, which significantly reduced his stand-up and work in films. Sadly, our birthday suit wearer died from MS in 2005. Regardless, he is without, uh, without a doubt one of the best comedians of all time. Jerry Seinfeld called him the Picasso of comedy. Dave Chappelle said, uh, you know those evolution charts? Hmm. He was the dude walking upright. <laughs> he was the highest evolution of comedy. He uh, was the first recipient to ever receive the Mark Twain Prize for American Humor. He was voted number one stand-up comic of all time on Comedy Central's 100 Greatest Stand-Ups of All Time. Name that birthday suit wearer. Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor is correct. Yes. <laughs> Woo! Woo! Love me some Richard Pryor. He's fantastic. Yeah, he's fantastic. a killer. He's one of the few. First of all, he's. He, I feel like one of the reasons that he's good is he used such a... He used his anxiety to his ability. Like, he was one of those guys that got so anxious before performing, but he turned it into magic. Like, he wasn't... Wow. Yeah, he got... Nina Simone mentioned it, like... He, he would shake. He couldn't stop shaking before he performed because he was so nervous. Um, wow. And, and, like, that never really left uh, him doing that uh, when he performed. Uh, and the other thing is, um, I, I, you know, you go back, you listen to a lot of, like, 1960, 1970, 1980, even comedy, and you don't even really know where to laugh at some of the jokes. Because, like, comedy has evolved so much. You're like, oh. Oh, that was funny. 
Oh, okay. That was a joke. Whoops, I missed that. Like, it's so, you know, it has evolved so much that you, it, you don't even notice. But with Richard, like, that's the thing. His stuff is still funny. Like, you can yeah. go back and listen to his 75 album and you're like, whoa, this, I'm actually laughing at things in this in this album whereas you go back to most comedy albums made in the 70s you're like eh. all right yeah like it's it's crazy it's crazy mm -hmm. such such a good and and like i said though just i mean you can't find like any of the comics that people consider the best of all time now that are cr still currently doing it uh have richard pryor as one of their inspirations i mean oh you know, yeah Dave Chappelle oh, and, and Louis C.K. and Jerry Seinfeld, and just like all of the, you know, the the big wigs now, Chris Rock, just they're all all started or started or hugely influenced by Richard Pryor. So yeah, hats definitely. off to Richard Pryor, big uh, big fan. Uh, he would have turned, let's see, eighty would have turned eighty one today. Hmm. Would have turned eighty one. Happy birthday, Richard. Uh, folks, go listen to some Richard Pryor, uh, not until after the show is over, but listen to it after our show is over. Fantastic. Um, Mike, yeah. are you ready? Yeah. We're going we're to rip some headlines. <laughs> Serum. It's now time for Rip from the Headlines. Okay, Mike, interesting poll was conducted by the University of Michigan. In this poll, they uh, surveyed parents, and they found that over half of the 1,125 parents they surveyed thought they spoiled their children too much and that they, as parents, were sometimes embarrassed about how, they're selfish, uh, how selfish their child acts. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, I have a solution for this issue. Don't, Don't spoil, spoil your child. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. Like, also, I don't know about you, Mike, but, like, I don't think that's too surprising. You know? Like, I'm not a parent. I'm, I may be someday. Who knows? You know? I don't know. Think about it. But uh, it, parenting in general, having kids in general, it's a pretty self-absorbed thing to do. That's a fact. Like... In, in, in its thought process. Like, people usually think, like, oh, you're caring for another person. You're dedicating uh, your life to another person. Uh, yeah, that's what eventually happens. But think of what the motivation is to have kids. Like, mm -hmm. hey, honey, you know who I was thinking is awesome? Us. <laughs> you know who I think there should be more of in the world? Us. <laughs> That's essentially what you're saying when you have kids. I'm so awesome, there should be yeah. more of me in this world. Like, so, you know, when your kids <laughs> are you running around. Yeah, well, so when your kids are running around being self-absorbed that's why. Mm -hmm. You were. You were a self-absorbed yeah. Like, that's what happened. True. I'm just saying. I'm, I might have a different opinion once I actually have kids. And I'll be like, no, no, no. There's a very altruistic reason I'm having these kids. It wasn't wasn't because I think I'm awesome. No, 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 um, no. Mike, this was my purpose. Exactly. Had to. Had to. Um, yeah. Mike, you've been to a busy gym. Am I right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. tons of times. 
<laughs> it's annoying, right? Very annoying, yeah. You got to wait for equipment. Everything's being mm -hmm. used. People yeah. are trying to talk to you when you don't want to talk to them. Your routine is off. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big a hassle. Serving pizza. Yeah, <laughs> Planet sense. Planet Fitness. They're the they're the pizza <laughs> yeah, servers, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> weirdos. That's a fact. Uh, with their their lunk alarm. What the hell is yeah, going on? Yeah, I got that, that once. I got that once. Wait, what? Oh man, you just being just too just being too ripped, Mike. That's what they probably I, set the I alarm I dropped the off. weights. I was listening to music very loud, and I didn't hear the weights drop. I guess I dropped them from such a height that uh, it made a sound, and it got... Come on, alarm. Mike. Come on. <laughs> Anyways, uh, a dude here in Florida, he was getting frustrated with this busy gym. Uh, Robert Dvorak. Robert, uh, he's a 78-year-old man, fell hmm. a fairly advanced man, you know, in age, uh, from oh, Clearwater, yeah. Florida. He was cranking some iron this past week on Thanksgiving, no days off. He was cranking out <laughs> iron, you know. And uh, he wanted to use a piece of equipment, but two sisters were using the machine. They were in the gym at the same time. They were busy. Mm -hmm. They were using the machine. So he waited a few minutes to use the equipment, but... Ladies were taking too long. They just kept on using the machine, not letting him work in. So Robert's solution was sit on the sister that was using the machine. Huh? Hmm. He just sat down on her. Wow. And uh, the sister who wasn't using the machine told Robert, hey, what are you doing? Get off my sister. Uh, Robert then pushed that sister to the side. Uh, and obviously, as you can imagine, um, the cops were called. And uh, <laughs> deputies arrived at the scene. Robert admitted to everything. You know, I can see that uh, old man doing that. Like, yeah, yeah, that was me. Yeah, they. Yeah, yeah I didn't yeah. like it. Uh, and uh, <laughs> witnesses agreed that Robert was the aggressor. And uh, Robert was then charged with simple battery. That was what he was charged with. Um, I got to say, Mike, story doesn't surprise me at all. Like, just the, the, the ins and outs. I worked in a gym for several years, you know, and more often than not, most of our disturbances result of angry old folks. Hmm. That was, like, pretty much all, anything that went wrong. Not to blame the older folks out there, but they were usually the ones that were like, I hate you and this place. Word. Like, uh, one of my favorites, real quick, I had an older lady <laughs> She used to come can't in wait, every can't wait to hear that story. <laughs> every day this older lady came in. And uh you know how like lovable and happy uh Betty White is? Oh yeah. Imagine the polar opposite of Betty White. That was the demeanor of this lady that came into our Betty gym. Black. Yes, yes, amen, nice. Amen. She just had this look of just hatred in her face every time that she's just looking for something Ooh. to rile her up, you know? And one day, this lady came in, she went up to the cardio equipment, stared at it for a couple of minutes, and then came over to me and was like, uh, yeah, you need to kick that girl off the last treadmill. Hmm. And I was like, uh... Is there a reason? And she was like, uh, yeah, there's a reason. She's been on it longer than 30 minutes. And uh, for you folks that don't know, we had a courtesy policy, and a lot of gyms do, that if it's really crowded in the gym, then the gym suggests that people stay on cardio equipment for only 30 minutes, 30 minutes or less. All right. Uh, how 
however, this isn't a firm rule. And at the time that this old lady was complaining, uh, there were about 15 other treadmills available. Of course. That were open. So I was like, uh, could you possibly use one of those treadmills? And she was like, no, I only use that one. Kick her off. I was like, uh, you can't really kick her off. That's not like a firm rule. And she was like, I've heard enough out of you. Let me speak to your manager. <laughs> and I was like, uh, all right. And she like, even before like I tell her, she already knows where the manager's office is. And she just goes walking back there to talk to him. And uh, I'm standing behind her. And as she goes up to my boss, she's like, uh, yeah. I want you to kick this girl off the treadmill, and I'd also like to complain about that girl that works for you at the front desk, <laughs> which she was talking about me. And uh, uh, my boss looked up at me, and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm the girl. She's she's talking about me. That's, that's me. <laughs> so for like a month, the running joke was, uh, I'm that girl from the desk. But uh, believe me, Mike, I know those older gym goers, they can get pretty ornery. They can oh, get... Yeah. Pretty, pretty angry. Um, yeah. Mike, last story before we go to break here. Um, this is a fairly quick one here. Apparently, there's a pretty slow news week in Pittsburgh. Uh, mm. And I'll show you by this news headline. This is from uh, KDKA News Channel 2. On Friday, Black Friday, they had a headline that said, quote, more than $3,000 worth of iPhones stolen from a store in Pennsylvania. Word. Mm, wow. So... It's like three iPhones? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it, was, it was four. It was four. You were close. Ah. Four phones. Literally, like, the third line of the story, they're like, it totaled four phones that they stole from the display. What? What? My goodness. Pro <laughs> you probably shouldn't use dollar amount when it's iPhones. Like, if these dudes stole $3,000 worth of Cinnamon Toast Crunch, mm. that'd, be a, that'd be a good headline. <laughs> You'd be like, yeah. holy crap, they stole a thousand boxes? That's a lot. <laughs> like, I want to have <laughs> breakfast at these dudes' houses. Man. By the way, so uh, funny. When I wrote that down, Mike, I realized they sell cinnamon toast, cr uh, cinnamon toast crunch uh, dust in the stores. Ooh! Like the just the topping, hmm. the topping. They call it cinnadust. Sweet. Mm. Cinnadust. Do you know how fast I would become obese with that in my house? <laughs> Gotta put that on everything. on everything. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd I'd make a peanut butter sandwich and just put like a pound of that on top of it and oh, be yeah. like, eh, just tap this off there. There we go. Yeah. I'd have a it's banana a and just be like, <laughs> put a little bit of this on top of there. That works. That's good. <laughs> it I mean, does sound, I don't know why I went to banana too. Like when you said the Senna dust, I'm like, that sounds nice on a banana. <laughs> oh God, man! Just imagine putting like putting peanut butter on the banana so it sticks, and then yeah. throw the Senna dust all over oh. there. Oh, get out of town. Oh, what it, store is this? What store sells this? <laughs> anyone. Publix, Walmart, Costco. You can get it all, man. There, It's out there. It is all right, out Dr. there. You're going to get another package in the mail. <laughs> what did he send me today? Cinnadust. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's, 
it's it's Mike's plan to make me uh, handicapped and obese. Here's here's another dessert treat. It's for just you, a new Doug. clip. It's a new clip for the show. It's a new social <laughs> media clip. <laughs> oh man! Well, as I wait for my Cinnadust in the mail, uh, we're gonna take a break. We are gonna be right back. We are gonna hear from our guest here. This is none other than our guest Casey Jones, right here off of her new album, The Queen of In-Between. Sparks ignite And we cling to them To see the light If we choose to feed the flame It can blind
And we are back here on the Doc G Show. You just heard Casey Jones with Heat Rises right here on the Doc G Show. Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. Listeners, if you haven't done so, go ahead, subscribe to the show. Go ahead, do it. Do it. We'll, I'll wait. Hmm. Are you doing it? You should be doing it right now. I'm, I'm going to wait. You're holding up everyone else if you're not doing it right now. I'm just going to go ahead and hold on for a little bit. Girl, come on. Mike, how you doing? Pretty good. I just subscribed to, like, uh, to three different versions of the, yes. of the show. Yes. <laughs> yes, Mike did it. Why didn't you folks do it? Come I'm on. I resubscribed. There it is. I love it. <laughs> Just giving us giving us a little boost, making me feel better, and you guys should too. If you're not, you're missing out. Uh, let's give a shout-out to those regulars. Here we go. Shout-out. Shout-out to Jacksonville, Florida, Columbia, South Carolina, Radford, Virginia, Gainesville, Florida, San Diego, California, Ashburn, Virginia, Barcelona, Spain, Sao Paulo, Brazil, Peoria, Illinois, Dublin, Ireland, Richardson, Texas, Frankfurt, Germany, Anoka, Minnesota, Boardman, Oregon, Katy, Texas, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Genoa, Italy, Winfield, West Virginia, Columbus, Georgia, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, and Oxford, Mississippi. There we go. Regulars. Shout out. Regulars. Doing it every week. Peoria, home of Richard Pryor. Shout out. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And Anoka, Minnesota, close to our last guest on the show there. None other than Mason Jennings. Yes. I hope you guys are going to his December show, as I said last show. Make sure you do it, guys. You got to do it. Um, semi-regulars. Here we go. Shout out. Uh, shout out to Piracai, Brazil. Columbus, Ohio, Moscow, Russia, Frisco, Texas, Charlotte, North Carolina, Copenhagen, Denmark, Austin, Texas, Brisbane, Australia, Los Angeles, California, Jamestown, New York, London, United Kingdom, Burlington, Canada, Bethpage, Tennessee, Denver, Colorado, St. Louis, Missouri, and Upland, California. There Mm. we go. Yeah. Nice. Pretty unique list. Piracai has been... uh, Re- they, they've been very regular, Mike. Piracai, Brazil. Uh, and the only reason I haven't shouted them out, uh, their name. I was like, I, I don't know how to spell that. I don't know how to say that. I'm going to screw that up. And so I literally had to go on YouTube and be like, okay, can I find That's the way. somebody somebody that is <laughs> that speaks Portuguese that can tell me how to uh, pronounce this? And I think I got it somewhat correct. Piracai. Sounded right. I, I think know. I think I think it's correct, uh, folks in Piracai. Thank you for listening. Uh, correct me if I'm saying your your town wrong. Uh, let let me know, um, Mike. <laughs> need to uh, need to move on to a very important topic here. Uh, something we do here on the show, known as previously on the Doc G Show. Awesome, I love it. Previously on the Doc G Show. Now, Mike, we had several stories, several birthday suit wears last week that were related to townships. Mm-hmm. And I said, what's the difference between a township and a town? And you said, I don't know. <laughs> and I said, I don't know either. And I was like, what a bunch of ignorant <laughs> we are. Well, Girl, let's on. rectify that right now because I've got the answer. Apparently, a township is a unit of local government 
carved out of a county. It mm. represents a geographical subdivision. Just geogra purely geographical. So you have this just area that they cut out of the county. That's a township. Uh, now, that usually means in most places it's not part of an incorporated borough, city, or town. It's just this geographical subdivision. Hmm. A town is an actual organized settlement. Word. It's settled around itself, and the settlement as a town is bigger than a village, but smaller than a city. It goes village, town, city. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Talk about riveting radio, Mike. Yeah. Am I right? Am I right? Yeah. How many people do you think actually listen to that whole segment? I would estimate 99% <laughs> of people listening stop listening during that segment. They just, you know what? This isn't worth it. I don't care. Uh, no, no. But now we know. Township, town. We Answered. Know. Answered. Thank God. That was it. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I think there are a couple other things, Mike, but I didn't have time to, to look them up. That's so okay. uh, we'll have more things next week. Don't worry. Okay. Don't, Mike's like, don't worry. We don't, we, you don't need to go back to it. That's yeah. fine. No, no. <laughs> I mean, I did, uh, I, I was expecting a couple more follow ups, but hey, that's okay. Next week. Don't worry. <laughs> Next week. Yeah, we'll save them up. Now, Mike, there was one leftover story that I did uh, want to discuss. Maybe two if we have time. Okay. Um, but this one, this one's really interesting. This one's been making its rounds, uh, and I uh, I wanted to just just chat about it a little bit because it was weird. Uh, Mike, did you uh, win Homecoming King? No. Was that a thing? No. 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 I think if I recall, <laughs> I won Prince oh. at our school, which Prince. was like runner-up. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Michael Mills won Homecoming King, and I was Prince. Hmm. I think that's correct. I want to make sure I get my facts straight after I saw this next story, because apparently <laughs> it can wind you up in jail if you don't have your facts straight on Homecoming. Wow. Um yeah, yeah. This last year, Emily Grover won high school co homecoming queen at Tate High School. This was 2020 that she won it uh, at Tate High School, which is right outside of Pensacola, Florida. Uh, Emily was a tennis athlete. She was an A student. Um, but there was a problem with her winning homecoming queen. The police said she rigged the election what yeah fake votes yeah fake votes jeez fake votes emily wow. was accused of hacking into the school's computer system with the help of her mom an elementary school vice principal named laura carroll and they changed the votes for herself to to win homecoming Wow. And the two now, because of that, are facing 16 years of prison. What? For the crime. Yeah. They can potentially, they haven't been, they haven't been charged and they haven't been sentenced. The trial is still happening, but they are facing a potential of 16 years. Wow. And the even the even crazier thing is 
They're both saying they didn't do it. Word. They're innocent. Yeah, I would say that too. <laughs> 16 now, years. <laughs> now, Wasn't apparently to, to win the crown, investigators, the, the investigators say that Grover, uh, Emily Grover, got dozens of student ID numbers. That's why they had to break into the school computer to get student ID numbers and birth dates because oh. then they use those to enter them into a third part uh, third party app that was used for the voting system. Ah. Uh, the pair then allegedly cast at least 246 fake, uh, fake votes for the teen Ooh. on Carol's cell phone and uh, computer at their home. Uh, and the police have records indicating when the votes came in and that they came through Carol's cell phone and computer because they have the IP addresses. And that's where they came through. Jeez. Wow. Yeah. That yeah. makes a little bit more sense for like now, 16 years. I mean, 16 yeah, years is still well, pretty extreme. Oh, yeah. Well, this, really this story extreme. just amazes me so many levels, Mike. Um, I mean, first of all, for the 16 years, like... I'm pretty positive that there have been people that have been con convicted for some level of murder that didn't receive 16 years. Like, not direct, like, just yeah, first-degree murder, but, like, yeah, yeah, exactly, right? Recent. Yeah, exactly. There's one very obvious that got zero amount of time. Um, but, like, that's, like, what? 16 years for... Like, I understand the issue of breaking in and going through people's private information on mm -hmm. the the school yeah. computers, but, like, 16 years for what they were doing? Mm -hmm. Like, there wasn't any... I don't know. It's because they're a little crazy. Second, I'm, I'm not going to say they did it or didn't do it. You know, who am I to say? I don't know. Uh, I, 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 I just read this article. Granted, it was a long article, but I read it. Um... You know, but when they've got your two devices putting in 246 votes and when you put them in from the IP address, like, what the f defense? Yeah. Like, that's, that's sort of like the police having a record of you pulling up in your car outside the bank 30 seconds before it was robbed and then it pulling off 30 seconds after it was robbed and being like, okay, okay, I know what you're thinking, <laughs> but that wasn't me. Like, Okay, but doesn't... you're a millionaire now and you weren't before. <laughs> exactly. Like, so I how just, is that possible? Just, and then, like, uh, lastly, if these ladies get convicted for rigging a homecoming election and they actually have to serve 16 years, like, I feel bad for them. Cause like, oh yeah, that's really not high on the old prison pecking order. Nah, like I can just see these ladies sitting around the lunch table. Like, what are you in for? Murder, assault, drug trafficking, homecoming fraud, arson, robbery. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> wait. Uh, two answers back. What were you guys? Home, homecoming fraud. What? Like just little. Hmm. <laughs> uh, hmm. Uh, uh, personal yeah. so we stole people's information i'm i uh, exactly i meant uh, sorry identity theft identity that, theft. does that That's sound better <laughs> like just oh bad bad man 
Where uh, was it again? Where was the where where did it Pensacola. take place? Pensacola, Pensacola Panhandle See, action. It's Pan, like that's a, yeah. one of those places I can imagine. Homecoming is so important to these people, mm-hmm. like so. Mm-hmm. Like, well, that's what they built up in the story. It was a huge, huge deal. You know, yeah. huge deal. Um, uh, <laughs> apparently, a sixteen-year deal. That's yeah, uh, but. Anyways, Mike, real quick before we we uh, go to break here for Casey, um, we've talked a lo- about some weird TikTokers on here before, mm-hmm. uh, and apparently there's a really, really weird group of TikTokers out there. Uh, apparently, there's a group of TikTokers who claim they teleport to parallel universes, mm. and they do so. By using extreme water temperature changes in their shower. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So, K- Katie Rocks of Nashville, she, uh, you know, did one of these long sort of narratives that people do on TikTok, which I don't find too interesting, but apparently people do. And she just went in to describe how she went into this long story about how she went on a school trip in 2017. The school trip, like, missed a flight. Uh, but then she went back to this, like, parallel universe, and she changed what they did on the school trip. And, uh, you know, it all boiled down to she did some kind of weird uh, Back to the Future hmm. Um And then... After she did this, she realized that she could do this anytime she wanted. Hmm. Just by changing her shower temperature. <laughs> Word. Now, I mean, the main thing I got out of this, Mike, was how dumb does Doc Brown from Back to the Future feel? Like, <laughs> spend all this time making a time machine with the DeLorean and all you needed was a good shower? And you could go back in time? Come on. What a waste. What a waste, man. But, like, it's just, what the f- are people talking about, Mike? It's, I don't know. I don't know. This pandemic crazy. has gone on too long. It's affecting people. Like, <laughs> like, if you could go time hopping, you wouldn't be on TikTok talking about how you like a good burrito that you had yesterday. You'd be fixing all the dumb shit you did in high school. Or, like... At least destroying Facebook like it's Skynet software trying to create Terminators. You'd be doing something <laughs> like you wouldn't be on TikTok being like, you guys, I went in the shower. It's totally cool. Went to a parallel universe. Like, no. <laughs> Stupid, man. It's just like, yeah, it's ridiculous. And then people like watching it like, oh, my God, this is ex-. like not the people that are just watching it because it's some crazy person talking about going to other time, you know, parallel time zones. But like <laughs> it's like the people that are taking this serious, like jotting down notes. So so 74 to 105, that'll make you go to 2015. <laughs> Interesting. OK. All right. What if I use a lavender body wash? What will that do? Like just. Dumb. I, are you gonna be wet not, when you transfer time? Yeah. Are you gonna be? Like, yeah. Are you gonna pop up like, oh, whoa, sorry. Anybody got a towel? Go to <laughs> towel? Like just. 
it's ridiculous. so funny like i imagine like and you know like star trek how they like the uh like they appear and they're beam me like, up yeah. yeah they beam mm-hmm. it's like somebody comes in with a shower uh like a just shower. <laughs> just like water flying everywhere yeah. out of nice. it looking like ace ventura coming out of the bathroom <laughs> Woo! do not, do not go in there oh uh, man so funny like, Goofy man. Anyways, People need to get back on Facebook, Doc G. That's where it's it, the neat none of this on there. <laughs> Just normal QAnon stuff. Anyways, uh, we are gonna take a break. We will be right back. That was a joke, by the way. Uh we're gonna <laughs> get right back with Casey Jones right here on the Doc G show. This is 95.5 Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLPFM, UNF Jacksonville. The Doc G Show, because sometimes you need something playing in the background. Every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on 99.5 FM, Spinnaker. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today, we are super lucky to have a fantastic artist with a new record out in the world this year, the queen of in-between, Miss Casey Jones. Casey, how's it going? Going well. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Thanksgiving holiday just happened. How'd it go? Went well. I ate way too much. Ended up (laughs) going to two different Friendsgivings and uh, had two separate meals. It was amazing and... Are you are you I'm a Thanksgiving working, I'm fan? I'm working it off now. <laughs> I yeah, I think well, I think Halloween might be my favorite holiday mm-hmm. for whatever reason, but Thanksgiving is definitely my second favorite because of all the food. <laughs> okay. Okay. So you are so I listeners know I'm not the biggest I like I'll eat Thanksgiving food, obviously. I'm like a human disposal, but like That's a fact. It's not my favorite <laughs> on the list of things to eat, but is is like turkey and stuffing up there for you as far as like things that that are uh, highly appealing? I think well, yeah, not so much the turkey and <laughs> stuffing. Maybe you're right, but like all the sides. Okay, I, love, si- I love all the sides. A know. side I'm theme. I'm a side dish kind of girl. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Well, let's take the listeners back. Uh, even though you're obviously you're a musician, your dad's a musician. Um, we're going to be talking about your new debut album there, but you're, it seems like your first creative outlet was dance. Um, how, how did you get introduced to dance training? How long have you been dancing? When did you start? How did you start? Um, well, I started as a... As a kid, um, I guess just going, kind of going to dance classes, like mm-hmm. I think a lot of a lot of little kids do. Mm-hmm. But um, I got really more interested in it in, I guess, middle school. And I, w- I was lucky to go to kind of an arts middle school and high school as well. Mm-hmm. And it was just, yeah, was in the dance ensemble and got into choreography. And I grew up in Raleigh, North Carolina. And mm-hmm. so there's a lot of amazing dance outlets there, the American Dance Festivals in Durham. And mm-hmm. just always exposed to a kind of amazing dance world there. Um, as well as uh, growing up around music since my dad was doing that. Um, 
But yeah, I, I really love the choreography aspect of it and went to college in Lafayette here for dance. So I guess I've been dancing, I don't know, since I was eight or nine. But mm. um, now, yeah. now, did you see, I mean, dabbling in all kinds of things? <laughs> well, now, did you see yourself? I mean, once you started dancing at that younger age and you're getting older, and like you said, you went to, you went to school for dance, obviously, did you see yourself? in the future being a choreographer and that was the main thing and music was sort of the 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 side deal for a while or was it as soon as you started playing music yeah i i I don't uh i definitely as a teenager didn't ever expect my career to be solely music yeah but even though i i played music um as a kid as well but um i was really interested in and this is what i did in college i was I had done a couple pieces where I wrote all the music and recorded mm. all the music and did the choreography. So I was kind of wanting to maybe do a little bit of like composing for pieces, but while also choreographing. So I was kind of leaning towards that world anyway, but gotcha. Um, but definitely including dance. And I have done some pieces in the past couple of years with friends where I wrote the music and danced a little bit in the pieces, but. I guess it was. I was always kind of more leaning towards the creating the music and mm. choreography over being like a dancer. Gotcha. Well, the the music. I mean, the music, like you mentioned, it, it runs in your blood. Your dad uh, is a musician, uh, old time Appalachian uh, music, mandolin, fiddle, guitar. Now, I I heard you 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 sung and you played guitar earlier in life, but you didn't like start playing fiddle, which you mostly do in the bands you're in now, uh, until you're about like 15. Um, yeah, I didn't really get into that till then. Um, I was around it, and I was actually somewhere for a week where my dad was teaching, and um, I just had a lot of free time, and there weren't really any other people my age there, and so I just brought his fiddle. Like I was like, I was going to take this fiddle class, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, actually, I really, I'm, I'm into this, and then so I just started asking all of our, you know, like musician friends of my, of my dad, and just kind of like asking questions about fiddle, and just... I got really into it for uh, a couple years, and then I was hooked. So mm. now, now I mean, that's you're around 15, so you're talking 2002 ish, 2003. And I was thinking back, yeah. I was like, hmm, let's see. Aside from like Ocean Avenue, Yellow Card, like I don't think there are many popular songs that are featuring the fiddle. Like you said, it's it's mainly, you know old-time music were you appreciative yeah. of all music uh then because like i feel like i would have been the idiot that would have been like fiddle lame <laughs> no one's gonna like that yeah like <laughs> were you just were you just in love with music of all types or did it take you a while to sort of come around to it it did i think that was part of the reason that i ended up not coming around to playing the fiddle a little later because i was always kind of like oh old-time music mm-hmm folk music i was like oh that's what my dad and his friends do and they're all old <laughs> but um i i um also had you know some friends at the time that uh a couple girlfriends at the time who were my age and mm-hmm. we were all kind of ended up getting into all our parents played music together mm-hmm. and we were like oh well we we should do this this is fun and i can't i think it started the nostalgia started to kick in maybe around that age where it was like oh this is like an amazing tradition and it's beautiful stuff, and I'm actually really familiar with it. And I, you know, knew more than I 
knew I knew, I guess. <laughs> so so it was more of a gradual, you didn't start just like zero to 100 as far as uh, playing. It was more of you just sort of kept getting deeper and deeper into it the, the more you went. Yeah, and, and then around, I guess, 17 or 18, maybe 16, I um, got kind of into, into Cajun stuff through a, another camp that my dad taught at. Mm-hmm. And, uh, met some, uh, just ended up really liking that fiddle style as well and enjoying the parallels and the, um, you know, and then the, the it's based mostly in French. And I was just like, oh, this is very interesting and an, a, like a new world, but that's very parallel to the old time uh, Appalachian folk yeah. music that I was, familiar with you know and so i got kind of obsessed with that <laughs> now now mm-hmm. when you first started was your, your you know you, you kept talking about like workshops that your dad was working at so were you working with with all, all kinds of different fit like learning from all these fiddle players because that seems like a really cool tool because uh or was like your yeah, dad I mean, just the primary teacher no so my, my dad plays some fiddle he's a good fiddle player but i mean i was lucky that we were always you know around friends of his and like people that I grew up around so it was yeah. very comfortable being like hey show me a fiddle tune or like what are you doing I heard you play this like what yeah. was that or and and that's yeah that's definitely an amazing tool that I was super lucky to have at very, my fingertips yeah yeah very not nice. fun fact your dad is uh living about 30 minutes down the road from where I grew up now I noticed he's, 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 really? he's in Galax. I'm, uh, I grew up in <laughs> yeah, Radford. Uh-huh. Really? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, awesome. Yeah, I, was, I saw that. I was like, what? No way. Used to play basketball games oh, all yeah. the time at Galax High School. Very nice. Uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, so, like, like you mentioned, though, you got really interested in Cajun. You ended up going uh, to the University of Louisiana Lafayette, and that was for dance. Was that one of the main deciding factors of why you went to? Uh, went to Lafayette or was it just the you know the 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 dance school that brought you in what what brought you down to Lafayette um it was it was mostly that I was really I, I had a lot of friends especially like there just seemed to be a lot of young people playing Cajun music but also just interested in music in general and it has a very vibrant still does like a music scene and I had there were a couple bands in particular that I had met through, like, through festivals like they would be at Clifftop or just from going around to festivals they would also be playing there and um, was good friends with them the Red Stick Ramblers in particular mm. and then Fofolet a, a couple of members of them they had a room available and they were about to start at UL as well mm. and so they were like yeah move in and you know and then so I was like that sounds great and they had a dance program at the college here so the dance program at the college it was definitely part of a deciding factor but i did want to move here mm. nice already so yeah. i was like well that's great it's two of the things i want to do are here so nice and it just kind of i don't know it lined up somehow magically and then and i yeah i just fell in love with it i came to visit it's not the normal high school spring break but <laughs> two, <laughs> two of my music friends and i came down for our like senior year spring break and just like played music and hung out and went dancing and yeah. and I was just like, nope, this is an amazing place. I'm ready. Let's mm. go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think that's normally the the setup for spring break that most people. Yeah, do. we didn't go. We skipped <laughs> Destin. And <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's funny actually. You said Red Stick Ramblers, and I was like, oh, yeah, I have. We had uh, uh, Town Mountain on the show, and Robert 
Oh, um, great. Yeah. I was like, love those. Love those guys. That was his band that I was oh, like, yeah. who do I need? To? And he was like, oh, man, I wish they still made music. I wish they still still were cranking out the, uh, the yeah, albums. Yeah. Now, For sure. Oh, Robert's great. I love, I love that crew, too. The Town Mountain crew is awesome. Fantastic guys. Fantastic guys. I feel like Lafayette is a, is a bit different. Uh, from North Carolina, I feel like it's a it's a bit of a of a curveball from uh, the Durham Raleigh area. Did it take a little Definitely. a little adjustment when you got there? Was there is a little bit like, oh, this is a little different? Um, somewhat. I think I'm a a bit of a just like a I love different and trying new things, and I think it was a I was I, I like doing that. I love traveling. I mm-hmm. love being around new experiences. So I. It was it was kind of comfortable for me because I was like, well, what's this? Ooh, well, I want to learn about that, and, you know. And it's so centered around kind of music and dance, and and um, I was I, I also took some uh, French in college, so mm. I was like, this is an amazing place to be able to take, you know, yeah. learn a new language while I don't know. And it's so such an integral part of the music, and um, no, I, I was I was welcome to change. I mean, I was. 18 and like i'm like i'm ready to experience you know yeah. any kind of you know new new world and bring it on yeah attitude but it is definitely different and really grow i mean raleigh is a much bigger kind of city and it it, it actually has this very nice you know small kind of college town feel yeah it was kind of a, a nice relaxing change in nice. a lot of ways nice well, I mean, you, you mentioned it. So you started, uh, you started French classes, and obviously now in the bands that you're in, you do a lot of singing in French uh, and on on different songs. Um, how how long did it take you to speak fluently in French? Um, a while. I mean, definitely, I'm still learning stuff all the time. You know, I mean, yeah. I feel like I'm still learning English in a lot of ways. <laughs> but um, it, I, I mean, it just took kind of going to places where people spoke French, you know, or you like, you were kind of like thrown into it. Yeah. And like, and then, and I've learned, learned a lot through the music, but I think it takes getting over that nervous, like sounding like an idiot um, when you're talking to somebody sounding like an, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's like, even though I could, you know, read something or knew what they were saying, the forming the response, that's the hugest hump. And that's yeah. like, so I'd say, I don't know, like definitely, five or six years. I don't think I was comfortable having conversations until yeah. a couple years after college, really. French just seems so but, tough to me. It just seems like, I'm just like, oh, there's so many, bleh, bleh, bleh. just many, so many different, <laughs> like, oh gosh, I, I look at it, I'm just like. The pronunciation is like a big hurdle. Like I took Spanish in high school for four years and, and I love Spanish. Yeah. But, and it's very similar grammatically, so yeah, it, the grammar structure and everything was like pretty easy for me to catch on to, and conjugation and all. Yeah, but yeah, the pronunciation—you're like, oh wow, this yeah, is, this is a whole new. Don't think my tongue turtle. works that way. I mean, you know, <laughs> now now Creole Cajun though. I mean, that's that's a whole whole nother ballpark. They, I mean, they got a lot of interesting phrases uh, and like, I, you know, I've, I've had a couple of Cajun friends and every now and then when they're talking, you're like, what? Wait, what'd you <laughs> say? Like, What's that word? Yeah. What'd you say? Yeah. Do you have, sure. do, do, yeah. do you remember any like phrases or anything like when you first started, uh, you know, living in Lafayette that there was a, like a Creole Cajun like saying that like stuck out they were just like, wait, what? You guys yeah, say what? Few, well, um, since some of the phrases that you people say in English here kind of ended up being 
directly translated from French or just like things people say mm-hmm. and you're like, why would you say it that way? And then you're like, well, oh wait, but the French word for that is this. And yeah. That actually makes a lot of sense. But, but uh, I do remember moving here, like people, if you like get to a store, you're in, in the car with somebody and they're like, are we going to get down or not? <laughs> or like, and you're like, get down? What do you mean? <laughs> like, are we going to go in the store? Like, mm. oh, okay. Like, it's funny because like in, in French, there's like, Really, if you're like getting out of a carrot, like a horse in a carriage, yeah, like like, like, like get down home, from like it, yeah. literally mm-hmm. to get down, like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's like funny that that somehow got like got into the I, I, English phrase book, and also like to like people say like we're gonna save the groceries, like we're gonna put the groceries away. Save. And I, I remember that kind of like yeah, like what? <laughs> what do y'all mean? <laughs> save them. But Don't use them. Like that, but, yeah. Put them away. Stockpile. Safe, Come like, on. Well, we're going to eat them, right? <laughs> <laughs> Get down. I um, definitely, yeah. that would be awkward for me. I feel like if somebody, I've, yeah. what what's happening yeah, here? Are we going to have a is dance there, party is there, what's, what's, going, what's going on? Is there Are there drugs involved? Oh, you just mean getting out. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the oh. French, though, is like a, a little bit, an, like it's an antiquated version of French, but it's like anyone who speaks French would understand it. It's, but there are, you know, some vocabulary and little phrases that are very unique to this area which is pretty cool for sure pretty interesting to learn about for sure now we we were lucky enough to have uh mark broussard a lafayette native there on the show just a couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago and uh awesome. since i'm a lover of food i uh i asked mr broussard where i should eat if i were coming to the great city of lafayette and he told me two places he said the french press for breakfast and uh pops po boys for lunch uh, and he had a great story about how Pops was so good, he had like a religious experience eating it. And it's like he, teer- he <laughs> oh teared God. up while he was eating the po' boy. And I was like, well, that's, that's, that is a, like a, basically <laughs> as good an endorsement as you can get. That is a pretty good endorsement. Yeah. Now, if I call you up and I say, Casey, I'm in Lafayette, I need your best place to eat. Where are you going to tell me? What's your go-to? What do you think I need to eat? Um, I'm Lafayette. Let's see. Well, for like for cage uh, like Cajun food, I'd say my favorite place near downtown is probably there's two plate lunch places, Gary's okay. and Laura's too, and they both have amazing plate lunches. Okay, um, but Laura's too has these stuffed turkey wings. Mm. And I know that sounds crazy. I mean, not oh, crazy, but maybe crazy not. good. They yeah, use. yeah, but they're amazing and all. I mean. Laura's to play lunches. You could probably have a religious experience there. <laughs> well, <laughs> if you wanted. That that's what I you know, I noticed is like every single when I was like going over Google over the map of of Lafayette, like every single place that I would drop my mouse on would be like four point five or higher as far as the ratings. And like all these it'd just be like, Oh, this place is amazing. I'm like you can't go wrong here. It seems like it's just there. Yeah, it's it is easy to eat too much food here. <laughs> <laughs> Everywhere there's, I could give you a list of like fifteen places that I like. I mean that I love and would recommend. You can mm. stay here for like a week and eat food basically. Mm. <laughs> mm. Well, it's probably it's probably a good thing then that I'm not there because I would leave being <laughs> far far too overweight. That would be. I would just. <laughs> eat five times a day back to music one of the things you know obviously uh like you said you you got deeper and deeper in this fiddle and uh you were 
two different styles. You know, you had Appalachian fiddle, and then you 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 come to to Louisiana, and you've got Cajun fiddle. For us folks that don't have a lot of training on the ins and outs of fiddle, what what would you say the main difference is between the two styles? Um, I'd say, I mean, the rhythm behind it, really, the mm-hmm. emphasis ry- rhythm wise, mm-hmm. and um. And and Cajun music is way more geared towards, like, I guess, improvisation, Mm -hmm. uh, where, like, Appalachian is so, like, you learn a fiddle tune, and you're like, ooh, the version of this fiddle tune are you playing? Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of like you know know these tunes, like, kind of note for note and style-wise, like they were played. And Cajun music is much more like, let's play this song. And you're like, oh, like, you know the melody, but you kind of, like, improvise that through the like feel and rhythm mm. and um, vocabulary of the Cajun fiddle style, I guess. That yeah. Yeah. Would you say that's like your favorite part about Cajun music is the improv- improvisation? Yeah. I, yeah. One of my favorite parts, I think my, I love the um, kind of tradition in Cajun music of there usually being like two fiddles mm-hmm. or one is basically being the rhythm instrument mm-hmm. and just all the, kind of amazing tricks that they you know developed to back up another fiddle where you're like a rhythm instrument but it's you know it's just the versatility of that is very cool to me and that's really what drew me to it in the first place yeah yeah well now you've been playing for a good while in two different bands uh Timon uh, was the first, right? Timon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, we mm-hmm. started in like 2011, I guess. Mm-hmm. How, yeah, uh, you've been yeah, playing sure. with Drew and Megan. Uh, how, how was that? I mean, did you know those guys basically from when you moved? I mean, have you known them pretty much the whole time you've been in Lafayette? Um, I I met Megan not too long after I moved here. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I've actually known Drew since I was about 16. Oh, through music. Um, he, that same, uh, this camp up in upstate New York, Ashokan, mm-hmm. like Ashokan Fiddle and Dance Camp that Jay Unger and Molly Mason run. Mm-hmm. Um, and my dad would teach it that every summer. And Drew came to play drums with the Cajun band that was there for Southern Week. And we just got, like, became kind of immediate friends. Like, we were, we would send each other, like, mixed CDs of, like, country music and Cajun music. And mm-hmm. he's like, have you ever heard this? Have you heard that? And um, so we had known each other for a long time and had a, just a ton of mutual friends. He was playing with Pine Leaf Boys not too long after I met him. Um, so we just shared this kind of like love of folk music and singing. And we play a bunch of country music with Timon and love like harmony singing, old country music. We're the biggest dorks about that stuff. <laughs> so we've known each other for a long time. And, nice. um, and yeah, I met Megan through her boyfriend at the time a long time ago Mm -hmm. who played music as well and we just became immediate friends like singing and um she's an amazing singer and she did a lot of the harmonies on this newer out the queen of the in-between album as well yeah um then we started playing music at this regular restaurant gig which is not a glamorous gig at all (laughs) but basically like a paid practice with like free fried shrimp (laughs) but, um, <laughs> that um, that works for me. Like, oh yeah, no, yeah. It wasn't a bad deal. <laughs> um, and so we just, you know, that was that we were there playing every week. We're like, well, I guess we should get some other gigs. Let's become a band. <laughs> nice. 
Nice. Now, now the other band that you play in, Fofole, uh, they, mm-hmm. they're, they've been, they were, they were playing for several years. Like you said, you knew them when you came down there, um, but you didn't, mm-hmm. you didn't get into the band until later. How did that opportunity sort of pop up? And like, and what was it? Because I feel like that obviously, it's like you said that uh, you know the other experience. It's sort of this organic, like, oh, we should probably play some more gigs. Let's do some more gigs. Like this one, it seems mm-hmm. more like it was already there. They'd already been a band. What was it like yeah, jumping they, into that band? band? For it wasn't that um, big of a transition. I, I'm like, like you say, I've known those guys for a long time. Like mm-hmm. they were some of the first people I met that kind of were in Cajun music. Yeah. And I met them actually like at Merle Fest one mm. year before I lived here and they were playing there and I was like, wow, you guys are like my age. What are you guys doing? <laughs> <laughs> doing this music? Like, what are y'all doing? Yeah. But, um, but, uh, they've, yeah, they, and they had been a band since 1999 and I think they were so young. I mean, like, yeah, I guess Chris was, I mean, he had to be like nine or something. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, so there, Anna Laura, who I'd also known, like, since moved here, and um, she was moving to, well, she's starting to, like, be the singer for kind of like a Cirque du Soleil, but with horses called Cavalia. So mm. she was, she, she ran away to the circus, basically. Mm. But, <laughs> but, um, but it is an amazing show, an amazing opportunity. Yeah. So, they needed a new singer and you know they've always had kind of a mixture of female and male vocals so they wanted it to be a woman mm-hmm. and i played a lot of music with chris and other bands and mm-hmm. philippe as well and um so i basically i had filled in for some gigs right when anna laura left mm-hmm. and just like played guitar and sang learned some of the songs and because they still had gigs that they needed, you know, there were like a few people that we were kind of switching off, filling in. Yeah. And then one day they just called me and they're like, well, do you want to just like be a band member? <laughs> nice. And I was like, yeah, sounds well, great. Why not? That's probably <laughs> easier. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now, obviously uh, with, with both bands, you've been creating, I mean, you've, you've, you've had multiple albums uh, with both bands, but I did notice you, you did work in a little bit of dance there a couple of years ago i saw an interesting project you're a part of it was like four years ago ground find fine oh yes yes that was i i watched sort of the creation of this and it sort of really seemed Mm -hmm. like what you were interested in from the start as far as the choreography like i mean just such intricate choreography for for uh, a four minute five minute piece yeah that was a very that was a really fun project yeah here yeah you get doused with flour at one point there uh <laughs> I, I yeah that was that i had i was coughing up flour for days after that. <laughs> <laughs> now at that point when you did that because that was uh 2017 had you been like actually practicing dance for a while i mean like had you been regularly practicing dance or did you have to sort of well, like you know shake off the dust a little bit to do it i a little bit yeah it had been a while but the um one of the other dancers emma and then her mom who was the choreographer yeah i had actually been in a dance company with them Mm -hmm. so emma and i had like kind of grown up together and emma's parents play old-time music so i've known them 
since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I was actually in their dance company for a couple summers, mm-hmm. Rhythm and Shoes, doing clogging and tap. Mm-hmm. And so we had all kind of all danced together a, a good bit. And so when she contacted me to be a part of the project, I was like, oh my God, this is, you know, we're, we're getting the band back yeah, together. Yeah. Kind of vibe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it was really fun. And it was an amazing collaboration with like local chefs and yeah. choreographers to where, yeah, it was like this whole cool food and yeah. Food thing. and dance. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Now being that you've danced for like a good quarter of a century, are, are you one of those, those veterans now that like you you've got like 150 joint issues that you can point to like yeah ankle doesn't really work like it used <laughs> to gotta warm this up um, is it? every now and then, yeah I, I do i did injure my knee in college a bit doing mm. point class which after that i was like yeah i don't think point for me anyway mm. um mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. like i'm thinking I'm not going to be a prima ballerina at this point in my life. Yeah. I don't really like it. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, and every now and then that does act up, I guess <laughs> you could say. But I don't know, not too many, not too many, um, when, luckily. When um, the rain rolls in, gets a little stiff. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, it is, <laughs> the storms are coming. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, like I said, all kinds of projects with both bands, and you got these things going on, and then the pandemic hits. How bad did the pandemic hurt your momentum of your music career? Because I've, I've heard it all through, like, various levels, depending on, you know, what artist I'm talking to. How did it affect your mm-hmm. music career? I was actually, yeah, 2020 was... <clears throat> looking to be a really good year actually musically like i was working on releasing the album that i eventually released this year mm-hmm. and um had a lot of kind of i was going to europe a few times and it was gonna be pretty fun but uh yeah, yeah everything like i think the day we were basically you know the in at home ordinance happened mm-hmm. like march 16th or something mm-hmm. i was like oh man like what's gonna happen and um my roommate's a musician as well and my next door neighbor is also a full-time musician mm-hmm. and so we were like all right well, well we'll just hunker down and we'll like make cocktails hang out <laughs> in the kiddie pool and see what happens but then yeah that whole week i just it was like every day i would have more cancellations like, yeah this is canceled this is canceled this festival's canceled and then i was just like then like panic set in like um well what am i gonna do yeah (laughs) yeah i mean like i'm sure everyone was and i mean luckily i somehow managed to figure out the unemployment thing being a self-employed person yeah and that because that was i was also like they're never gonna approve that for like i was just i never tried to apply for anything like that ever luckily i've never you know music has always been very lucrative for me and um i'm also i also never stop working and i'm just kind of a workaholic music wise yeah so also just being at home like twiddling my thumbs being like um what am i doing i'm broke and yeah (laughs) but um yeah luckily yeah i i did get the kind of unemployment thing working and there were lots of amazing uh grants and stuff at the beginning that really helped a lot and so i think then it was just kind of like hunkering down and being like all right i don't know how long this is gonna last and but i, I did try to keep myself busy doing i did i did a lot of online stuff mm-hmm. and then that whole april i did kind of this 
covered 19 series where I did like a video every day for 19 days and mm -hmm. collaborated with a lot of musician friends and we just did a different cover song every day and that ended up actually being way more work than I thought it was going to be but what else was I doing I guess <laughs> Well, well, um, I've I've heard a lot of artists on the show say that you know uh, an album that they released was basically a result of that extra time. I mean, was that a factor in creating? Yeah. I mean, you know, you moved the album back as far as planning on release, but did you get? I'm I'm guessing you got a lot more work on this debut album. I did. I did get to spend a lot more time probably than I would have on planning the release and just you know. It was in the beginning. I mean, even mixing, you know, I was like, we were still finishing the little, the fine details. And so then we just got to sit in the mixing room and spend way too much time on that and get really, just really anally uh, focused on it. But, and which was actually, yeah, that actually probably helped it in ways that I guess I'll, you know, we have no way of knowing. But, yeah. And then I ended up, I recorded a whole other album with, my friend Daniel Kulik during the pandemic that, and we had been saying for years that we were going to do this project. And then it was like, finally like, well, let's just do it. Let's record it all at his house. And, um, so yeah, I released that before I ended up releasing the Queen and in between album. And we're about to release the Christmas album actually too. No, oh, nice. Um, but, now, um, yeah. As far as the solo album, as far as Queen and In Between, I mean, you've been in bands now for, you know, 15 years, give or take. Had you always seen yourself putting out a solo album as opposed to a band album? Or was it something that popped up just sort of recently that you were like, I need to put out these songs as my own? It has it kind of always been on the back burner, I guess, mm -hmm. as like something I wanted to do, but never really had well, never really had that much time or was just kind of like, yeah, I'll do that sometime. And yeah, it, it, I I had to plan this show a couple years ago, maybe like three-ish years ago. Um, I had to plan a show of all original material for this listening room in Lafayette. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of kicked me in the butt to actually organize it all and be like, well, okay, like, let me, you know, kind of like some recent ones I had written and like some I was still working on. And it just kind of kicked me in the butt to like finalize a lot of that and yeah. teach it to a band and um, arrange vocal parts for it. And um, that was really fun. And, and that whole, the group that I'd used for the listening room ended up being everyone that played on the album, actually. And nice. They were all like, we should do this. Why haven't we done this? And I was like, yeah, why haven't we done this? So then I was just like, all right, I'm planning a week in the studio. We're going to all go out in the country and just be there for a week and like record all these songs. Very nice. Now, on the album, there are, you know, Cajun, Appalachian inspirations, but unlike your your group music you can you've got that heavy uh americana 60s 70s rock vibe and you know i heard you talk about gene clark and and t-rex and these other 70s mm -hmm. inspirations what do you love about that music period because i love that you know i'm a huge 70s fan especially the earlier 70s you know 70 to, through 75 what what do you love about that music? Well, I think I love the well as a song, the songwriting aspect of all of that. I feel like there's just so many amazing songwriters of that period. But also, I just love the 
kind of textures of that era, the guitar tones. Mm. The, um, I'm uh, you know also obsessed with like sixties girl groups and just their mm-hmm. like layering of harmonies that are, you know, I growing up around I guess a lot of old time and that the kind of Carter family mm-hmm. like a lot of those harmonies, country harmonies, and just kind of how that's a whole different step. You know, the pop music harmony um, approach is different but cool and you have mm-hmm. so much more freedom there in a lot of ways um but then also just you know the the tones and the kind of like realness of that era of music it's recorded music is i said yeah it has a warmth and it has just like a also i just feel like everyone was you know bursting with creativity and mm-hmm. like so many things hadn't been done or like people you know you discover a way to record something and you know, it'd be like this whole new, you know, window was open. Yeah. Um, and I just, I love knowing about all of that and reading about it. And, and my, my dad is also a, you know, a songwriter and mm-hmm. writes all kinds of songs. And he's a big, I kind of grew up listening to all that kind of music as well, because he's such a big, um, music fan of all kinds of crazy stuff. He was, and he's like a habitual thrift store shopper. <laughs> so he would always be like bringing home like look at this like cd from nepal that i got and, um but also, you know he's such a fan of like the beatles and dylan and all the, you know all you know the typical dad yeah. obsessions i guess but <laughs> um <laughs> yeah but, you know he's an amazing songwriter and guitar player so he and he draws from all that as well so i was kind of exposed to all that as well as folk music as a kid so yeah just kind of instilled in me but it's such another vein of stuff outside of the kind of traditional music world that i feel like everyone on the album we were all kind of stuck in that world a little bit even though we love it but it, it was almost it was kind of like a breath of fresh air to get to explore and arrange all these songs and you know, play some a crazy guitar ride or like get mm-hmm. weird with a guitar tone. And, nice. Yeah. Well, now does that answer your question? I yeah. feel like I got one on a tangent, but that's oh well. You know, we're talking seventies, and you got it. You brought it back to the album, so that's good. That's that's where we wanted to be. So you know, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what does it feel like putting out a full album with your name on it as opposed to the the group projects? Because I feel like, I mean, obviously that's a huge, you're, you're working with multiple people, you put it out and you're like, hey, this is our album. But then when you put out Queen of In-Between, it's, it's your name there. How does that, how does that feel yeah. different? Um, it's definitely, definitely a different feeling. Um, it's kind of a lot more work um, yeah. <laughs> when you have everyone working on the release. Yeah. <laughs> I have like a team. Yeah. But, um, but it's also been kind of awesome because then if there is something I want to do with it or I don't know, it's kind of like, well, who I don't have to ask anyone. It's me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of, that's kind of a nice feeling, but it is a lot of work. And, and it's also a little bit daunting to be like, well, now what do I do? But, um, just got to keep moving forward. And we do have some, a little, a short tour plan in January. And I just want to keep, keep doing traveling with that as a, as a project. I really like it. And I like, it being in kind of a different world of even gig wise, you know, yeah. exposure wise. Um, I've talked to a lot of people that um, I wouldn't be talking to if I had just released another Cajun album or, yeah. you know, and, and I, and I think that 
that world is actually a really big part of my personality and also the musicians on the album, their personality as well. And it feels good to kind of like put our foot in that world a little bit and kind of just a little new, new, new world. For sure. It feels like, and, and it's fun and it feels really good. And I hope to kind of continue making connections in that world and doing more songwriting stuff and doing more kind of out of the box projects I'm, I'm ready to get weird. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe it's being in my thirties. I don't know, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I've heard you talk about, you know, this project and I heard the, you know, how the, the lyrics of the songs were, you know, really important to you uh, and explain sort of situations that you were going through at the time. Like most people's lyrics are, are you the kind of person mm-hmm. that every time you hear that song, it takes you back to when you were writing it or does it mold as you go on and feelings change and now it's sort of got a different feel even though you wrote it you've got a different feeling to that song i think yeah it's kind of a layer a layered nostalgia maybe because yeah i do think a little bit about when i wrote it but also when you listen to like a certain recording of a song you know you think now i'm kind of i hear it now and i kind of think about when we were the day we were we worked on mm-hmm. that song or like the, the day we did like some overdubs and like what we were talking about yeah. and what it's kind of a layered like mm-hmm. the song writing memory is there but there's so many things added on a journey of like releasing an album that it just has a whole you know on top of the initial writing experience it's like it created a whole kind of experience and memory and little time capsule almost and yeah that's what i love about recording an album Anytime I always, if I hear it or maybe I like forget, I'm like, oh my God, I forgot we even did that song or like, <laughs> you know, like, oh wow, like that's so cool. And that, and yeah. it brings you back to like the recording session or like, yeah, I don't know, a dinner we cooked after the recording mm-hmm. session or something. Very cool. Very cool. Well, now, uh, I know it's really soon. You mentioned the other album, uh, but have you thought of another solo album? Yeah, I definitely do. I'm, I've been um working on on that as well um just mostly getting songs together and um i've written a couple recently and there's some that i've wanted to arrange for a bit and we were talking about maybe doing a single before the solo another album release but yeah we'll see i mean yeah i definitely there's definitely things in the works to where we're planning to do another project like this one for sure very nice well this one is fantastic and uh we're going to be listening to a song here in just a little bit but uh with uh with a month left in 2021 uh what do you have on your your eyes set on for 2022 is it is it the uh the the tour there like you mentioned small tour in january uh any big hurdles you want to get over uh this next this coming year um i think I just I'm ready to tra- I'm traveling. I'm, <laughs> I miss traveling a lot, and so I'm I'm ready to do that. And you know, for music or for whatever reason, and but yeah, have some have a yeah tour in January, but also have a couple fun tour plans for the summer. And just I don't know, I'm looking forward to seeing all my the music community that I haven't seen in a couple of years. You know, just yeah, from us not playing gigs and not being at the you know the festivals where or you you seeing my musical family, you know? Yeah. I think that's, I mean, 2022, hopefully, fingers crossed, 
I'm looking forward to getting getting back into into that for sure. But and I don't know, I'm catching up on um, debt. I don't know. Twenty twenty two making up for me. <laughs> yeah, making up debt and catching catching up with the the musical crew. I love it. Need to make yeah, new memories working, on the getting look. back to work. Yeah. I'm ready. For sure. Well, Casey, we are up against a break, but I want to thank you for coming on the show. Well, thank you so much. This has been fun. For sure. Listeners, you can keep up all things with Casey at her website, caseyjonesmusic.com, or you can follow her on Instagram at Casey underscore Jones underscore 87, or you can stream all of her music on Apple or Spotify right now. Let's take a listen to Beginnings and Ends right here on the Doc G Show.
sir. And we are back here on the Doc G show. You just heard Casey Jones, Beginnings and Ends. She is the queen of in-between, and she was just on the show. Thanks to Casey for coming on the show. Fantastic of her to do that. Uh, Mike, I would not be able to do what she did and just learn French nope. going yeah, down no. to Louisiana. Like, it's tough. Yeah. Like, I've been trying to learn Spanish since eighth grade, and I still <laughs> stuck at it. Yeah. Like, granted, it's off and on now. Like, every, like, two years, I'll be like, I should know more Spanish. Mm. <laughs> and then I'll try for, like, a month, and I'm like, ooh, that's hard. And I'll stop. Like, and she just went down there, and boom, French. Mm -hmm. What? What? Yeah. In French, man. I'm just so bad at pronouncing anything French. That's a fact. Yeah. Like, I know it's supposed to be a romantic language, and I know it's close to Italian and, and Spanish, but it just seems so weird compared to those other languages. It just has all these things flow out of your mouth that are weird and yeah. bleh, 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 and just like, <laughs> it just it's all be blurs to <laughs> it's together. Gotta like, like, it's got to be like the most spitting of languages. I, I imagine there's a lot of like, you know, when you see people spitting while they talk, that's mm -hmm. got to be the language with the most of that. I, I don't know. I feel like those are the, a lot of your Middle Eastern languages because there's so many vowels that sort of plop, 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 plop. <laughs> like, okay. you know, the, with with French, it's a little bit smoother. Like, I feel oh, okay. like it's just... Mm. Like, Wait, just, what? I, I'm bad at it, regardless. I'm horrible at it. Uh, if I, I And on top of that, then you also got to learn it with the Creole Cajun accent. True. Too. Yeah. Which is just a whole language by itself. Yeah, Wild. it really is. Wild, man. It's uh, like but Spanglish, like Frank. Exactly. <laughs> Ex exactly. But like, I feel like, regardless, just like I told Mark Broussard when he was on the show, I feel like Lafayette would be a fun time. Like, those guys just seem like some, some fun folks mm -hmm. in, in Lafayette. Like, and I mean, if you got, got Pops Poe Boys, you got True. a good time. Yeah. You got a good time. Like, I mean, and that place, I was looking at it before I asked Casey where to go in uh, Lafayette. That place just has food everywhere. Like, mm -hmm. you, you look on the map, and, like, every single place has a rating over, like, 4.5 stars, and I believe it. I'm like, yeah, I bet you that is a pretty amazing place. I bet mm -hmm. you that place is pretty amazing, too. I mean... I the, I bet their food is so good I wouldn't need any dust down there. <laughs> I I wouldn't have to bring my extra case of dust with me. Uh, anyways, thanks to Casey uh, for coming on the show. Mike, we are going to do two more birthday suits. Let's do them. Uh, I think you can get one. Okay. I'm not sure if you can get both. We'll, we'll see. see. Yeah. Uh, born on 12-1-1945 in Honolulu, Hawaii. Our birthday suit wearer was born to a Jewish family. 
whose father worked at the Navy base in Hawaii. Our birthday suit wearer had a good childhood, wound up getting two senior superlatives at her high school, most talkative and most dramatic. Hmm. After high school, she started classes at the University of Hawaii, but dropped out after only three semesters. In 1965, she moved to New York City to begin in theater. In 1966, she landed a role in Fiddler on the Roof, had that for three years. At the same time, she began singing. In 1971, she starred in the Who's rock opera, Tommy. She released her debut album, The Divine Miss M, in 1972, which became a platinum album and won the 1973 Best New Artist Grammy. In all, she's released 15 albums and appeared in 40 movies. She's most known for her roles in Stella, Hocus Pocus, the First Wives Club, and The Stetford Wives. In all, hmm. she's won four Golden Globe Awards, three Grammys, three Emmy Awards, and two Tonys. Jeez. She also guest appeared on Seinfeld during a celebrity softball game and was injured during the game, and Kramer had to take care of her. Name that birthday suit wearer. Hmm. Hmm. Total guess, Bette Midler. Correct! Oh yes. my gosh! There what? it is! Nicely awesome. done! What was the Hocus Pocus? What was the Hocus Pocus yeah. reference? Yeah, I thought so. I thought. <laughs> Hocus Pocus is a popular thing, man. A great movie. It's crazy. Like, she's done so many things. I mean, you know, multi-tens. She's got Golden Globes. She's got Grammys. She's got Emmys. She's got Tonys. She's done, you know, triple threat as far as theater, TV, and movies. But mm. uh, that's probably what she's most known for. Hocus Pocus. I mean, yeah. over the whole the whole world, I think that's what she's most known for. Interesting. Like I say, and especially like people under thirty, like thirty five yeah. and under, that's like all they know her for is being one of the witches on Hocus Pocus. Uh, apparently, they're they're coming out with a new one too. Wow, uh, that's awesome. Like I think twenty twenty two coming out with a new one. So there you go. All three of the all the same actors. I th I think so. Follow that's up. Gonna awesome. Do it. Follow up. That's awesome. Follow up. Uh, hocus Pocus. Anyways, <laughs> uh, let's see. She's turning the big uh, 76. 76 mm. for Bette Medler. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Happy birthday, Bette. Uh, okay, next one. I think you got it. I think you got this one too, man. Hope. Right. I don't want to jinx it, but three for three. Who it knows? could be three for three day. Now, this one interesting. There is a discrepancy between the IMBD site and the Wikipedia site as far as this person's birthday. Um, I'm going with the IMBD birthday because that was December 1st. But Wikipedia says it was November 30th. So mm. just throw that out there. Anyways, our birthday suit wearer was born December 1st or 30th, November 30th, on 1935 with the legal name Alan Koningsberg. In the, the Bronx, uh, in the Bronx to a family of Austrian and Lithuanian Jewish immigrants. Despite the characters he portrayed later in life, he was very interested in baseball growing up, and he was a very good pitcher at baseball. But at the age of 15, he started writing jokes, found that he loved the creation of comedy, and he started sending them to Broadway writers. Writers started sending him money to make more jokes. At the age of 19, he was invited to the NBC Writers Development Program. 
He worked as a writer for The Ed uh, Sullivan Show, The Tonight Show, and many others. He worked up to 15 hours a day on writing jokes. In the 1960s, he started doing stand-up comedy in New York, working with Joan Rivers, Lenny Bruce, and our previously mentioned birthday suit wearer, Richard Pryor. He started to cross over to writing films and directing films in the 1960s. His first movie was What's New, Pussycat? Then he, uh, that he wrote in 1965. Since then, he has directed 49 films, including Radio Days, Alice, Annie Hall, Hannah and Her Sisters, Midnight in Paris, Bullets Over Broadway, Holiday, uh, Hollywood Ending, and Match Point, and many more. He holds the record for most Academy Award nominations with 53 and he he's had the uh, had 47 Golden Globe nominations as well. He's considered one of the most influential writers and comedians of all time. Quentin Tarantino said he's one of the greatest screenwriters of all time. Spike Lee said he's a great great filmmaker. Comedians Louis C.K., John Stewart, Chris Rock, Bill Hader, Conan O'Brien, Seth Meyers, and Larry David have all said they were influenced by his comedy. Name that. Birthday suit wearer. Hmm. Wow. Um. I don't know. Think, I have no idea. Think of his. Think of his legal name, Alan Conansberg. Alan Kernsberg. Yeah. He I, used. He used that first name as his last name. Um. Woody Allen. Mm-hmm. There it is. Woody Allen. Woody is Allen. Correct. Oh, okay. Yes. Huh. Took you a little bit. I had a little help, but I'm giving it to you. Three yeah. for three. three All right. Three for three. Take it's it. Still counting. Woody Allen, man. Yeah. He's just uh, uh, a jack of all trades in, in comedy. Well, not in comedy, but in, in entertainment. Just does everything. I mean, film, directing, writing, just everything. I mean, he definitely does less comedy than he used to. But, like, mm-hmm. again, he's one of those guys that, like, I mean, listen to that list. Louis C.K., John Stewart, Chris Rock, Bill Hader, Conan O'Brien, Seth Meyers, Larry David. Come on. Yeah. Come on. That's, that's, a, that's a list of who's who right there. Very true. Very true. But, but Woody turning uh, uh, 10 years older than Bet, turning 86. 86 for Woody. Wow. Wow. Happy birthday, Woody Allen. Hope it's a good one. Enjoy it. Mike, that is it, man. That is it for the show That's this it. week. We, uh, we've we had a fantastic show back from the Thanksgiving Fest. Uh, we've got some more good shows coming up. Got a couple new, uh, got a couple new guests in the works uh, before we, we set off into the new year of 2022. Mm-hmm. Got a couple more shows to wrap up the year. Can't wait to, to get to them. Uh, but until then, I have been your host, Doc G. With me, as always, none other than Mikey Maximus, the Fernicus Charette. Thank you for being on the show, sir. Hey, thank you for having me, as always. Great time. Of course, of course. And we will see you guys next week. As always, until then, zip it up and zip it out. Zippity-doo-dah.